Outrocast. Joel, Luke, Luke, Joel. I don't know what the correct order is. What's the correct order here? Traditionally, it's Joel, Luke, just because uh, I'm the older brother, you know, and I have a bit more of an ego, so I need to be out front. Uh, or, or it depends who you meet first, because then you're just always working backwards from that. You know, Luke and Joel. That's how I can tell if somebody's more on my side. If they're like, yeah, so Luke and Joel are going to be here. I'm like, oh, these people like me a little more. Fun, fun fact, Darren. <laughs> before we were for King and Country, we actually had the very creative band name of Joel and Luke. We were the first Dan and Shay. Yeah, I mean, the greatness, just it's evident. But <clears throat> I don't want to waste any more time because most, time, most times when I'm doing an interview, it's like, what can you really talk about with these people? In your case, there's a new music video, which is visually stunning. I don't know how many artists can properly film in the desert like that and it's not green screen. So that's one. Number two, the deluxe version of the album. Number three, one of you is, you know, just sold a film that's being directed, just that little thing. And then number four, just this, you know, arena tour where the small shows is three nights at the Grand Old Opry. I mean, you guys are just so boring and there's nothing going on, right? <laughs> you just covered everything right there. Hey, great interview. Thanks so much, Darren. We feel better about ourselves. Oh, well, man. the first thing, the music video, when did you actually film it? Uh, man, it came together super quickly, actually. We, we have this single has had a lot of twists and turns. We were going to have features on it at some point because we love featuring. And then the 11th hour, we needed to shift gears. And so it just became us again. And then obviously that opened up the conversation of, well, it's much simpler to do a music video when it's just you. So it was um, the day before Memorial Day. So what's that? Like May 28th. Yeah. We were in Edmonton, Canada, fulfilling a COVID tour that had been bumped three years late. And Caden Tooley, who you just met a moment ago, so yeah. was sitting and catering, and we did the kind of pseudo napkin, you know, conversation of like, hey, we should, the whole theme of this album is the desert nomads, wasteland type, you know, um, allegory. What if the culminating single, which is actually the title track, you know, culminates where we started in, in the desert. And so we actually took, if you look in the liners of the CD, there's, a, there's sort of a monologue um, that is read through. And we kind of took that as a storyline inspiration for the music video. And in 10 days, bro, in 10 days, we went from concept to production. Um, director of photography, you know, those are Waterworld outfits primarily that you're seeing there, good old Kevin Costner. Uh, from I think it was labeled the greatest flop of all time. Yeah, we like you know, their costumes. You're right about that. I remember growing up as a kid that Waterworld was talked about as being this big flop, but it gets a reboot. You're paying homage to it, so I think it recouped in the long run. Oh, I think it. I think it will have. You know it's, what? I think the thousand dollars that we paid for those costumes. You're exactly right. They're going to be in the black <laughs> in twenty three hundred. Uh, so, any rate, we we uh, we. We're really sort of, it was magnificent how it all came together. And also, so we shot it on June, I think the 8th. Everything, was, the weather was, it rained in the desert before we showed up. So it was cool. Uh, you know, God was on our side that day. So um, we're really thrilled with how it turned out naturally. You should be thrilled with something that sounds great, looks great, et cetera. And then onto the deluxe album. 
the collaborations. Now, this one does not have the collaboration with Echo Smith, who I recently interviewed, but I can't think of a lot of artists who'd be at home collaborating with Echo Smith and Kirk Franklin and Hillary Scott, et cetera. So my question is, how many of these collaborations that you pursue actually happen? Is it like a one for one or you just make a wish? <laughs> that's a great question. That is uh, a great question. I would say it's one for eight. It depends. What? So, like, so, okay. Well, I'll give you an example. a lot, man. Hillary yeah. Scott, Love Me Like I Am. Uh, excuse me, Hillary Scott, For God Is With Us. We were on her podcast, on her Apple podcast. We um, had collaborated on something else last year as well. Seen each other at an event. We were just fans. That was one for one. Yeah. Um, Love Me Like I Am, we had a really hard time finding the right, the right fit. And so that I'm not going to go into the gory details, but that was not one for one. But the funny thing is the right people end up landing in the right spot. Like mm -hmm. Jordan was perfect for that song. Um, like her heart, just her essence, her vocal ability, her yeah. vocal ability yeah. obviously, oh, yeah. like she was just, she was fantastic. And so you, you just trust the process, but man, yeah, you, you know, could, you pitch it, you're going to pitch it a few times. You're, you're you not, know? you're not, you're no stranger to rejection. Neither are we. It's just, you're going to keep asking, you know, yeah. it's but, funny. We were, I was talking last night because we'd asked for another song. We'd asked actually for what are we waiting for? We'd asked Bono from YouTube to, to feature on it. And he was so kind. He sent us two really sweet messages back, asked us to the Spears show. So we're going to take him up on that offer, but we've never felt better about getting rejected than we did by Bono. That was, a, that was a good moment. Most of the time it comes from friendship at the end of the day, which is kind of fun. Sure. You know, you kind of reflect on just relationships that you build as, as, as young men, as you go on into life, a lot of those relationships, Kurt, are built as, they, Corey, that's right. They just continue to kind of Hillary to grow. So that's, and those are honestly the best ones because you trust their character. You trust who they are. In some cases, the moment you start venturing out too, too much, gets into a land of unknown. You're like, I hope yeah. that, uh, you know, a friend of mine who co-writes and produces a lot of hits for people told me that whenever it's management to management, the song never makes the album. But when it's artist to artist, it always That's happens. Right. right. He's right. He's absolutely I, right. I remember one time, we can move on from it, I was calling Matt Hales, Aqualung, who's a close friend and one of our kind of producers throughout our whole career. And I was like, man, why do I have to always be the one? And he's, he lives in Bath, England. He's very pommy accent. He was like, Joe, it's just... You're the artist. That's what you do. It needs to be artist to artist. And I'm like, man. We have some examples of working with some, you know, big name producers. And we would go work with these guys and the song wouldn't even make the album. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. Anyway. It's crazy. But, so there but you go. For your posthumous box sets, it might make that. So never say never with all that. Well, two quick questions and then I let you go. And the first one, hopefully it's a good <laughs> question. Unsung Hero. Will it be a soundtrack from your group? Will your group be on the soundtrack? Any ideas? Yeah, man, you, you asked the right questions at the right time and you have great intuition. Uh, we're actually, uh, this fall, uh, we're not touring and we're really going into, uh, we're doing an Inspired By project uh, for the movie and there will be some originals on there. We're gonna do some covers, which we've never done in our, in our lives that kind of, kind of go through the, the 90s era. Of, awesome. uh, of music 
And so hopefully it'll just be kind of a fun, you know, because a lot of times when you're doing studio albums, there's a lot of weight, <laughs> the originality of it, the songs, what you're going through, how you're explaining these things. This gives us a little bit of a, a moment to write some really hopefully powerful and personal songs, but also then to just have some fun with some songs. We're like, hey, the era that this film is yeah. talking about, these were the songs that meant a lot to us. And let's put them on our hey, soundtrack. Fun fact for features, going back to the feature question, we literally sure. asked directly Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith, who were kind of royalty in the Christian gospel community. Yes. To feature on the album because we they have two of their songs are actually yeah, in the in, in the, the picture so and they have given us a pseudo green light so and there'll be uh rod stewart we're covering a rod stewart song on there i think we're covering a, a johnny farnham you might not know that name but johnny oh farnham i know australian royalty john johnny farnham yeah there you go look at this so you're the voice from john farnham is we're gonna remake that, Love that remake song that nice yeah yeah it'll be fun well, the last question before I let you go, really random one. And I like to ask this about to people from Australia. Are either of you Van Halen fans? <laughs> well, before we get to that, I need to say that, you know, um, just as far as the soundtrack is concerned, uh, just for your viewers and your listeners, we uh, what Darren's hinting at is we, we just worked on a 90s, uh, true story, kind of biopic drama about an Australian immigrant family moving continents. A mom circles around the mom, six kids, one on the way. Her husband had lost everything on a job that went bad in Australia. And they move all the way to Nashville, Tennessee, and start over. And uh, all kind of the tragedies and triumphs. It's our parents' story. Just got picked up by Lionsgate and releases theatrically on April 26th, which April Darren happens to be our parents' wedding anniversary, 49th wedding anniversary. You can't write that. Hey, here's the other thing. We didn't pick that date, Lionsgate did, which is pretty crazy that they picked the date. They don't, I, I, I don't think anyone knew, actually. I was talking to mom and she was like, do you know that's our wedding anniversary? What, 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 what a gift. Anyway, um, Van Halen. Yeah, sure. I, I just like the, the Australian stereotype, you have to like the band Kiss but Kiss discovered Van Halen. So I like to figure that one out. Yeah, I think that when you say yeah, that, that sounds insulting to Van Halen because it's either like, you're like, yeah, or you're like, not so much. And I think that we, if we were being totally honest, you'd have to say, yeah. not so much. No, I don't think you can say yeah about Van Halen. It's one of the other. I appreciate, I appreciate Van Halen. I pre Look, I appreciate any, you're wearing a Black Sabbath shirt. I appreciate anyone who has made it at some level in music, totally. no matter their belief system or their, you know, political bents, like music, you know it, you've dedicated your life to studying it and understanding it. Like music is a, it's a tough world, man. Um, and so people like Dolly Parton, who we got to feature with, there's a woman who's been in the music But you like them years. from your head, not from I, your heart. I liked Van Halen, and this is embarrassing. I, I, his, that, what's his most recent hit? That was like 15 years ago, but nonetheless, it was like later. Yeah, the song on the Twister soundtrack, maybe Humans Being yes. the Hit. Yeah. yeah, I like that version of Van Halen. So even that is like, because that was my childhood, you know? He's defending everybody that's going to watch this right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm hey, sorry. let's steer it back towards the recap before I let you go. You got that feature film, which pays homage to the parents. You got the deluxe album this beautiful music video, this arena tour, the soundtrack related to this 
thing. So luckily us fans have a lot to look forward to in the near future. So thank you both for your time and really looking forward to what's next. And please get a concert in New York in the near future. We miss you out here. Oh man, hey, we, we just talked about, about that like two days ago. That's hilarious. We're talking about maybe, and maybe we'll just prophesy here, maybe coming Christmas tour. to Christmas tour uh, to the... Well, we'd love to play Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden, you know, there you go. Outro <laughs> cast. Mark, thank you for doing this. The last time I had the pleasure of speaking with you, the Feel Flows box set was the new thing. And you've worked on dozens of things since then. But how's your day going aside from having to talk to this guy? <laughs> it's, it's 10 in the morning here. So, so uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just caffeinated and getting ready to get going. Well, that's actually something I'm very, very curious about. I'm a nocturnal person as well. I use the energy drinks to perk up. Are you a traditional coffee person? Yeah, I used to be. Well, I was into the when I was moving around, you know, going out more, uh, doing, doing work. I was more into the energy drinks, but yeah, I haven't had one of those in a long time. Come to think of it, some of them are delicious. I'm remember the flavor of the uh, uh, the stuff. <laughs> some of them aren't as bad for you as they say. But we're not talking about energy drinks. We're talking about Mark. And can we start off with a compliment here? Uh, sure. <laughs> okay. So you're one of those people that's super under the radar to the average person, unless they're in a nerd like me who reads the liner notes. But I would say anybody who listens to the radio for six hours, you know, classic hits kind of radio, they've heard your work. You're so... How does that make you feel in general, knowing that everyone has heard your work, but they don't necessarily know, hey, that's Mark who did it? Is that an okay feeling? Do you like being kind of anonymous? Yeah, I, I've never ever thought about it that way. I mean, the 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 reason I got into this line of work wasn't to be wasn't to be famous. I mean, I'm not a performer. I don't have that kind of uh, mentality or talent. <laughs> Debatable but, uh, right there, because your ability to work with sometimes personalities who are known to be a little complex, that's very talented. Oh, yeah. But I mean, as a as a as an artist, I mean, I, you know, I I dabbled with the guitar at the age of 16 and, you know, never, never really pursued it or got any better or any worse. Um, <laughs> but to an, but to answer your question, no, I mean, I, I didn't get into the I didn't get into it for that. Um, I'm not sure that that anybody really gets into this line of work thinking that they're, you know, going to be famous or renowned. And obviously it's really only a matter of degrees. I mean, even the biggest, um, uh, you know, most well-known, you know, engineers bear, you know, are barely going to uh, uh, attract a uh, neophyte audience, you know, <laughs> um, the, you're, you're known within your, within your industry. So, Right. Uh, that was never that was never the reason uh, to get into it or the reasons uh, to do it. I mean, I got into it like, you know, the same as a, I was always a music fan and I got into it as one way of, uh, you know, being in this business. I, I could have I started out in lighting. I could have uh, I, I could have ended up, you know, there professionally just just as easily. Got it. Well, 
I started bugging you a year and change ago about interviewing you because I was writing a book about Dave Lee Roth that's finally coming out oh. in early 2024. And your name is in the credits for Crazy from the Heat. I wound up speaking with Gary Reinfuss, who told me the story from his perspective of Crazy from the Heat. But one thing, one mystery I was trying to figure out is you're forever associated with the Beach Boys. And Dave kind of repopularized the Beach Boys with the cover of California Girls, which had Carl Wilson on it. Now, is it an absolute coincidence that you worked with Carl and Dave on that? Or did that- Yeah, it is, because it actually happened before, uh, uh, several years before my association, my, my deeper association, before I started working with Brian. And the reason it, I mean, I just to back up a little, I had worked with Carl once or twice before because I did a, I had done a bunch of albums with America and Carl oh. and Jerry Beckley were, were friendly. Uh, so Carl and I want to say Christopher Cross and yeah. somebody else sang on a couple of their records and I engineered those sessions. Um, uh, I specifically remember you know doing them at, at, at uh, Warner Brothers Amigo Studios where I was a staff engineer at the time. And so when... Um, I, you know, I don't know who booked it, but uh, probably prob probably Ted Templeman booked it. Yes. Uh, they booked the session to do California Girls. I got assigned to the session, and uh, that was my first. Yeah, that that would have been my first real Beach Boy. You know, any, any sort of Beach Boy connection, um, and it was you know it was just a day's worth of work. I do remember specifically Carl coming in with a cassette. You know, like Beach Boys' greatest hits or something and saying I, you know, we, we got to listen to this because we don't uh, we you know we don't we don't do it this way on stage anymore um wow that's that's something i've never heard before now in in speaking with gary and then speaking with tons of people who work with dave dave always portrayed this like i'm a slacker i'm a california guy kind of vibe but you realize that everything was really choreographed and organized and well thought out in that era so gary was telling me the crazy from the heat ep in that sessions they weren't this secretive top secret organization it's just like yep dave is recording and that was it and it was everyone was well rehearsed and it wasn't these tense vibes kind of like the media portrays it to be. Do you have that kind of reaction, re recollection or is it just, you know, frankly, I don't remember if Dave, if, if, I mean, I assume he was there, it didn't have to be, but I, I don't remember him being there. Although I do know that either that day or maybe a day or two after, um, him, him coming into the studio and just doing a bunch of ad libs, I think on on uh, uh, girls. Um, but like I said, I mean, it was just you know, it was just two fairly quick sessions. Uh, and what would that be? Um, <laughs> close to forty years ago, yeah. Close to 40 years ago is correct. Almost 40 years. And we're still listening to that music. We're still talking about that music. And you could say the same about the Beach Boys. You know, you're working on things that happened 50 years ago in some cases. and Or, or more, yeah, or 60 years ago. <laughs> so in the case of you started off as a Brian Wilson guy, as far as I know, and then you became a Beach Boys approved person, which does not always happen. You don't always graduate to that kind of a process. The first time you worked on the Beach Boys, did you know that it was going to be a long-term thing? 
No, not at all. I mean, actually, it, you know, I, I wound up working with Brian in the in the oddest sort of way. Um, you know, literally a phone call, you know, uh, uh, caused it to happen. I called, um, this is what, 18, 1987, I guess, and I called Ocean Way Studios, which was uh, the rebranded um, United Western. And I, I must have been looking to book time or availability for some project that I was doing or that was coming up. And the uh, uh, the booker, the lady that, that ran the studio said, oh, by the way, we, we've got a, uh, a last minute booking on, this is like Monday, on Thursday for Brian Wilson and they need an engineer, uh, you know, are you available? And I said, well, well sure. I never met him, but, you know, fan stories, all the rest of it. And yeah. it, when I realized later that this was because what, what you know, this is when the, uh, Eugene Landy was running the show. And what he used to do is, for whatever reason, you know, tell Brian to go in the studio as a kind of therapy. And so he'd tell his, you know, his, his minion, one of his minions, to find a studio and um you know book it and they didn't you know at that point this was sort of the early days of brian's first solo record and they hadn't really you know they sort of gone different places and used different different people that worked at the studios but they hadn't really uh had anybody of their own um so that's what happened they you know they they found a, an open an open day in an open studio at uh, ocean way and didn't have an engineer and so i did that i did that session and that turned into, you know, about a year working on, uh, um, Brian, you know, Brian's first solo record all, all over. We bounced all over town, did this a lot. I mean, we mostly stayed in the same places, but I mean, we worked on the West Side a lot. We worked at Sunset. We worked at um, uh, Soundcastle, a whole bunch of, whole bunch of places. And of course, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of cooks. I mean, you had Landy sort of, you know, overseeing being the, uh, you know, rather odd puppet master but then you know you had you had russ andy paley and russ Tidelman, uh who i'd worked with a lot at warner brothers and lenny warnaker um who really only got involved musically in um, um rio grande which which i had a lot to do with mm -hmm. um but yeah so it was a very long drawn out uh project and then right about the same time uh, you know, this is early in the, you know, a couple or a couple of years into the release of CDs, and uh, it was decided, you know, I'm going to put Pet Sounds on CD. So they gave me that job because I was working with Brian, and that um, <clears throat> and that um, that turned next into doing the uh, the Capital Catalog, and then the Good Vibrations box, and uh, whatever it was, ninety. And then the Pet Sounds box and, you know, on, on and on and on. Mostly it had to do with the fact that, you know, the, the all those early albums were Brian's productions. So right. it could have gone a different way. But, um, you know, it kind of made sense to uh, connect it to Brian. And I think also, frankly, that, uh, well, I know, I know so that, uh, you know, with one more way that Landy was staking out his territory. Um, uh, you know that that he, that he was in charge of the of the bigger picture, and you had to deal with him. You know, um, yeah. it, which which actually made him, you know, kind of acting the way a manager um, of someone like Brian, um, uh, you know, should behave. You know, protect your protect your client. 
uh, your client's interest, even if it happens to be your own as well. I mean, I've always felt that that um, you know Brian's had a lot of people in his life that 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 uh, wound up doing uh, good things for him for the wrong reasons. I mean, yeah. I never I never knew his father, but you know to to infer from what I've heard and uh, you know and read about, um, I mean, I don't I don't. I don't think he necessarily uh, got capital in Nick Vinay to let Brian produce on his own um, because he was acting as the producer. And so Nick Vinay was kind of in Murray's way. Um, and it was, you know, but he did it and it was extremely unusual uh, to have something like that. Uh, I can't really, well, I can't really think of anybody else in that, in that, in that time period that was that was uh you know uh, producing their own records no not the beatles <laughs> nobody at a top level was and i and this is a compliment in your direction uh, because i know interviewers are supposed to compliment and not be unbiased whatsoever so i'm following that paper uh trail <laughs> i love how much the beach boys have kept and or they've found because it's the exact opposite of, say, Van Halen. Van Halen had just put out a box set or just announced a box set with Sammy Hagar, where the whole rarities disc is stuff that was on multi-platinum selling releases. Not mm -hmm. quite a rarity. And the Beach Boys, by comparison, the backstage rehearsals that we're getting, all the alternate mixes, etc., is there a lot more to come from the Beach Boys? And I'm not looking for exclusive exclusives of what's to come, but is there still a lot more to come for us fans? It's, yeah, it's two different. Well, two different questions. I'd say there's less. Um, you know, we're getting we're getting into. I mean, 50 years out, we're getting into the period where they actually started to go back and look for things that they had left behind. Um, you know, girls get together and and. I just got my pay, things like that, that, you know, got recycled or, you know, brought, you know, brought out later. So there's less, we have lots of live material. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how much of that's ever, you know, it's going to make sense uh, 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 to release. You know, part of the problem is that um, the more, we'll say unknown esoteric uh, material even when it's really, you know, really important and 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 really uh, revelatory, it's a fairly small market. And as I understand it, right. you know, from the powers that be, uh, <laughs> it's getting smaller. It, it it you know, I mean, and it's partly just the way everybody consumes music now. Um, you know, it's it, you know, sit down and listen to a record. It's streaming. Uh, you know, you get playlists. And this, you know, this, uh, this, especially things that I find fascinating. I mean, taking taking a song, taking a recording that uh, we know, and taking it apart and showing how it, you know, how how it was constructed, and you know what amazing, um, especially you know, amazing vocalists they, they were. Um, that you know has much less interest in you know non hardcore dedicated fans than the hits um you know so in some ways the, the <laughs> in some ways the beach boys um historically are uh, uh you know prisoners of their own success because because from a marketing or record label point of view uh while it would be great you know 
if we could put out a new, you know, a new album um, of old material and have it really, you know, make a dent in the market, um, that that isn't likely to occur. And of course, the you know the the well known stuff, the hits and and so on, um, you know, they for 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 perfectly good obvious reasons, they they just keep selling. I mean, the Feel Flows project is is really kind of interesting. I mean, that's getting into that era the the uh, sunflower um uh, surfs up era and beyond i mean and then of course uh, corona passions and uh, holland i mean that's something that i've been pushing for you know for, for 20 plus years through god knows how many um um big wigs at uh, at capital and now capital slash umg um right you know both because it's great music but also the notion that as as back in the, in the day um the hope that it would expand the the group's fan base and then when we the first indication that i was maybe right was when we we did uh, 67's um a sunshine tomorrow outro cast